As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20 minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Lee Jacobson, CEO of AppMetrics. He talked with us about getting past the power through it mentality and opening yourself up to pivoting. By trusting in and listening to the data that you collect, you can follow various paths to revenue. He also talked about their method for lead scoring so they make the most out of their sales cycle. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash RocketShip to get 20% off three months. We'd also like to thank InVision App. 
Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. Go to Envision app forward slash rocket ship to get the starter plan free for 90 days. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to customer.io slash rocket ship to start sending emails that convert. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Lee Jacobson, the CEO of AppMetrics. Lee, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, give us the quick overview of AppMetrics. Sure. Uh, AppMetrics is a uh, data management platform, uh, what we call a DMP. And what that really means is we specialize in taking data in from a multitude of data sources around the world for our clients. So we do uh, you know business intelligence, we do analytics, we do predictive modeling, we do data collection, and we really automate uh, you know, mid to larger tier clients, uh, massive data challenges, all in one single tool set to make uh, to, to make their business decisions uh, uh, much easier to uh, uh, to make and execute on. Nice. So, before you guys started at Metrics, you were at Atari. Um, what what made you want to start at Metrics um, and and leave kind of a, a corporate job? Sure. Yeah, it was really interesting how it happened. You know, I I've been in the video game business for gosh, close to thirty years now. And you know, as as things evolve, right? You've seen a lot of entertainment changes over the years. And you know, the, the Atari and both Midway and 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 uh, you know, over the years, we're we're evolving into this mobile revolution in in apps and gaming for us. And so uh, we shifted that direction as well. And one of the things that technology is able to really do that we've never been able to really do before in a mass scale way. And that's listen to our customers, listen to our customers, uh, not only, you know, with, 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 uh, surveys, but listen to their data, right? Listen to what they're doing and what they're really, you know, playing and what their behaviors are. And so, you know, it, it was really amazing for us to, to get insights because data doesn't lie. And so mm-hmm. we, we really started measuring and I started using, a multitude of of uh, other analytics platforms at the time, and long story short, it was just extremely frustrating. I was spending hours with my team simply collecting data into spreadsheets and spending ten to twelve hours a week compiling reports just to figure out what was going on and um, you know sometimes life is uh, uh, strange right uh, it, it, my my partner and I uh, blaze Barely, we happened to be at the same uh, friend's house one evening and um, he mentioned he was working on some some great technology in San Diego, and would I come down and see it? And so I did, and one thing led to another, and I thought, you know, this could be a great opportunity to really, really, you know, add some functionality that doesn't exist, build a team, and really offer a product that no one else in the marketplace is 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 offering. And so we, you know, we we went back and forth, and he convinced me, and. And we did it, uh, and because I felt really that that this world of, of big data and listening to customers and all the things that we can learn from it, we're still early on. And I think that you know, gaming is is is, is ubiquitous, and so and apps are becoming you know ubiquitous everywhere you you turn now. And uh, I just felt it was it was it was a it was a great opportunity to be in the middle as opposed to having to always pick the winner and loser for for uh, for a video game. Sure. So, w- were there other um, app li- or analytics apps that you were using at Atari? Oh, sure. Yeah, we we were using and we we used all of them. Uh, there's probably you know five or six uh, at the time that we used, 
And, you know, they, they all did one thing or the other, uh, <clears throat> but none of them really had all the solutions that we really, really wanted. Okay. Did it ever worry you uh, that you were going into a market where people already had clients like Atari? Well, sure. You always worry about that. Absolutely. <laughs> if you don't worry, then, then you're, you're, you're not doing your job. Uh, but I think what you have to do is you have to, you know, do something that is completely different and really define a sales model that shows true benefits for your, for your, your product. And I think, you know, we've really been able to execute on that and, and really measure how much time we save companies by automating and doing things, automating the data collection process and things that nobody else is really focusing on. And so we call it analytics 2.0, which is the next generation of, of really listening to why things happen, not about just what happened. So that's mm. the big difference. We, we take it to the next level. So um, you come from, you know, one of the, the biggest gaming companies. Um, is that the uh, target that you guys initially went after when you left? Did you go right back to Atari and say, I've got this, it'll solve your problems? Yeah, that was one of the things we, fir- we first focused on. And of course we did. You know, it was very great for us to, to go back to Atari and, and bring them on as a client. Right. So that was that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did start, you know, uh, directly in, in, in the in the gaming and app environment. But what we've seen is the company has evolved is, you know, apps and games are across a multitude of platforms. It's not just mobile anymore. And so another distinction that we have is we're the only cross platform uh, gaming BI company uh, across every range of platforms. So mobile, PC, web, flash, unity, unreal, uh, Mac, and then soon to be released PlayStation four and Xbox one, because now you're seeing uh, free to play video games on consoles. So we really are, we offer our clients a, uh, a solution across all their platforms and touch points. And we grew from that. And, uh, then we expanded into, brands. So we're working with brands that aren't even games, but they've got apps, everything from insurance to finance, to uh, voice recognition, to even uh, things like you'd find in, um, in cars. General Motors, for example, is using Android in, in new vehicles, right? So, hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, things that are really app focused and related uh, have just sort of come into the fold as we've, we've expanded our, uh, you know, our reach. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. Dot com. That's business.att.com. So um, you guys talked uh, before we, we had a, a, the, in the pre-chat, we were talking about kind of the early growth. And you said that, that you gave it four months and you weren't hitting the numbers that you wanted. Um, kind of explain to us what numbers were you looking for and, and what did you find from that? Uh, where did you guys kind of pivot to? Sure. Yeah. When we first started, we, we sort of had some assumptions about what we thought the business model was, was going to be, right? It was a uh, you know, low cost of entry to sign up, and if you hit it out of the park and your, your app or game was successful, then we were successful. 
And, mm. you know, that was just an assumption that we thought we'd, we'd share the, 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 the ride with our, uh, with our clients. And so what we had was an enormous amount of customers that signed up. And, and what we found was that, you know, the, the complexity of, you know, BI or business intelligence and analytics and understanding deeply how to really uh, measure properly and understand things properly was really a hard thing that for companies to do that really didn't have a lot of experience. And so we spent an enormous amount of time uh, hand-holding our, 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 all of those clients. And it really became difficult for us to do that. And so we, we did give it about four months. Um, uh, you know, we, our, our revenues were okay, but they weren't what we had targeted because the games just weren't as successful as, you know, we had hoped they, they were due to mm. competition on, you know, Android and, and iOS and Windows and everybody else. There's an enormous amount of, of content out there. So we pivoted. And, and I think doing that and, and, and really isolating who our ideal client is really helped us. I mean, we, our revenue is increased by literally 540% wow. quarter over quarter when we focused on who our customer was and we decided to change. That means we, we certainly had some customers that, that no longer were able to afford us. Um, yeah. but that's okay with us. We just, cause we could focus then, uh, and really give our attention and, and education to those clients that, that we really could help, uh, as opposed to just, you know, letting them flounder with some, some data coming in. So it really, really worked for us. And I think if there's any lesson to anything, I, I say that, you know, coming from a big company to a, you know, a startup and, and growing it is never be afraid to, to pivot your business model. You know, you have to be able to willing to not just power through something, but really be able to sit back and analyze it objectively and say, and have good people around you to support that. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, don't be afraid to try something else to see what works. You know, um, I, I could tell you a number of things, you know, the little one liners that, that, uh, you know, my board has advised me since we, we started the company, but, uh, that, that's probably a key one I would say is just don't be afraid to, to change. So when you guys pivoted, um, it sounds like you retired accounts that did not fit into your pivot. We did. Okay. And, mm-hmm. um, how did you handle that? Uh, did you, you know, was it, was it very hands-on and were they understanding? Yeah, no, most of them just, uh, basically because they, they weren't successful in their efforts to, you know, have a successful product. Uh, they, they just wound down their, their subscription. Okay. It wasn't really, it wasn't really complicated at all. They, they, you know, they, they peaked for a while and then it slowly just sort of graduated to, you know, no data, not much going on. And then everybody moved on. So okay. it was, it was very, very, very straightforward. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, so- um, to see that we, we shut down a product about six months or so ago and we saw the same thing when we, when we started to turn it off, we were worried about this backlash and bad press and what people would think and nobody even really noticed which is right. great reinforcement for <laughs> yeah, why you, you're shutting it down. That's right. And you just deploy your resources to where, you know, the revenue's coming in. You, you and you really spend time, you know, we we spend an enormous amount of time talking about how fast our response times are to our clients. You know, we have a very, we measure all of that obviously as as a, as a big data company. And, you know, spending time with them and educating them and you really have to do a bad job in customer service to, to lose, you know, a client because, you know, 
being a partner with them in measuring all this enormous amount of terabytes of data coming in is is not an easy feat. And so we really felt that it, it really helped our business and our clients are much happier getting the hand-holding every single week on building reports and measuring things and, and what's important to look at and what is important to look at. So it's just a matter, an issue of priorities, you know. What kind of marketing are you guys doing to target? Now that you know who your core um, customer is, are, are you doing outbound marketing, inbound marketing? What does the strategy look like? Sure, yeah. So one of the things that, that you know, I go back to all the time is, you know, measure everything. You know, so we, we, we do that quite a bit. We, we actually have a, a system in place whereby, uh, and this is another thing I would highly encourage everyone to do, because not every business model fits every, you know, there is no shotgun approach to everything, mm-hmm. right? So we, we, you know, when we started and we pivoted, we did everything. We ran Google AdWords campaign, the display network. Uh, we, we ran, uh, you know, banner campaigns. We ran, we had trade shows. We did conferences. We do, you know, we had uh, outbound lead generation coming in, you know, working here in the office that would, you know, do all the things you would do for, for lead generation, which is, you know, looking at LinkedIn and sending emails and sending out white papers and doing drip marketing. So we've done every campaign and we sort of measure you know, our cost per lead uh, that we get, as well as our revenue per lead uh, uh, that we get. And so we, we've done a number of, of things. But for us, I think because we are in a solutions sales model, which has a longer sales cycle, for us, it's, it's been way by far more effective when we attend shows and conferences and do face-to-face meetings and we spend time and we build relationships with these companies because, you know, when we have, you know, people signing up for one to two year contracts, you know, they really need to make sure that they're making the right decision. So while it's great, you know, we use, you know, Display Network and Google AdWords and banner campaigns and trade shows and parties, et cetera, for brand building. Uh, we don't really see, you know, the revenue per lead um, as much as really just our, our, our sales team and our lead gen team here doing outbound. And word of mouth, and really direct face-to-face meetings at uh, at conferences and shows. So, in terms of following where the revenue is coming in, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, when we were talking before that um, you kind of have three different categories of companies that you'd sell to, ranging from large, medium, small. And mm-hmm. the larger they are, the longer the sales cycle is. But obviously, they're worth more um, versus that medium-sized company that will move a little quicker. And it's still pretty valuable. So how mm-hmm. do you um, divide up your resources between those kind of sales cycles and know that it's going to be kind of worth that time in the long run? Sure. Well, obviously, you know, once once we were able to identify who our ideal customer was, I think that's where the outbound reaching starts to happen through LinkedIn, through direct shows, through meeting them at conferences, you know, staying out late night <laughs> in the bars <laughs> where, where you get a lot of business done. And I think that, that once we identified those guys, we, we, we kind of knew how long the sales cycle on average was going to take once we quickly qualified them, right? It's, it's the three questions, right, that, that sort of puts them in what bucket they need to go into, right? Is are they in the market? You know, do they have a problem and, and, and need a solution, or not happy with their current solution, and are they the person that makes that decision, right? And if it's not, then hey, no big deal. We'll follow up and we'll put you in the in in, in the you know Salesforce to follow up you know next quarter 
And that's great. That's a very short conversation to have. You know, if you do start that process and you do see they've met those three criteria, well, then the process starts, right? Starts, right? You, you always close for something in the sales cycle. And, you know, you, you, you build a rapport, right? You establish the need. You, you know, you restate the need. You then talk about how you can address the need. And then you overcome objections and hopefully get the sale. And, and that just happens over how many times you follow up, right? There's that adage that, you know, 80% of the sales or whatever happen after, you know, five attempts or five sales calls, you know, to, to, to a client. Um, and that's really true. It's, it's all about the follow-up. So we use, you know, uh, automated marketing tools. Uh, when they come to our website, we know who they are. And we are able to automatically send them uh, additional uh, emails over a period of time using, using drip email marketing. We can send them white papers automatically. We, we basically measure their interest level. Uh, and then as they, as they get more points, we then prioritize them to the top. And so we try to really stay on top of where our customers are, what they're doing, how they're interacting with us and our website. Um, and then it just, just good old brute force follow-up, you know, that's all I can <laughs> sure. say. You just, yeah. you just got to put them in that queue. And if they're busy that quarter, you call them the next quarter and then you call them the next quarter. So that's, that's kind of how we go about it. There was an interesting thing you said there about, um, lead scoring. Um, how did you come up with the, the values that you associated with, with the leads, um, and when to contact them? <sighs> You know, I, for us, it was really a, a you know, it was, it was not an exact science. You know, we, okay. we felt we, we had more weighting to someone that, you know, um, came to our website and took a demo, really spent a half an hour, you know, looking at the reports and seeing all the real-time data than someone who just got an email and opened it, right? So we, we, we gave more credence to various activities if they requested the white paper, versus just looked at a video or whatever. So we had about, you know, we have about eight or 10 things that we score. And every time they come back, for example, to the website through the email or through another medium, you know, we'll give them one or two points. Every time they do a demo, it might be worth 10 points. Every time they, you know, do a white paper and ask for this, it might be, you know, uh, eight points. If they want a consultation, uh, you know, that's obviously triggers, you know, everything and the system okay. will trigger us with all their points and say, when they're past, you know, 80 points, then boom, you can hop right on them. Now, frankly, any sales team, you know, is not going to wait till somebody's has probably had high points before <laughs> right. they reach out and talk to them. But, but nevertheless, you know, having that really tells you how they're engaged and how they're interested in, in, uh, in your product. So um, is that Salesforce that you're using to, to do the lead scoring or is that something custom that you guys built? No, no, no. We use a product called uh, SharpSpring. Uh, it's, a, it's a lead gen, uh, not a lead gen, it's, it's a, a, a drip marketing automated uh, platform that also has Salesforce-like functionality built in. Interesting. I haven't even heard of that. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's a great product. We, uh, we were one of the early customers and we've grown with them and it's been terrific for us. So it's really helped us not only follow up like a Salesforce would do with notes and triggers and events. It, it helps you build your sales pipeline. It'll show you your expected value of all the sales and prospects through the different stages of your sales cycle. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, the automated marketing really, really helps uh, nurture those, those, uh, those prospects along. 
Yeah, very cool. Um, so what's kind of next in your on your roadmap? What can we expect from App Metrics coming for you know, moving forward? Yeah, you know, we are purely in the growth mode. You know, we've been fortunate to you know, have raised a, a good amount of money, not have to make decisions in the short term. We have we have runway to make decisions that are great for the company in the long term. And now that we have clients and we really have, you know, again, pivoted and, you know, tried to have tried to hire people smarter than I. That's my goal um, is really it's just growing the hockey stick for us. You know, it's 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 focusing on great customer service, delivering great product and innovation. And we're continuing to do that all the time and really just just get out there and hustle. You know, my partner always says sales cures all. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, we we take care of business in that regard and the rest will all you know, play itself out, you know, and, and there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of MA activity in the, in the space. You know, one of my competitors was just bought last week by, by Yahoo for $240 million. So that must be exciting. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's certainly caused a lot of co- conversations to happen and, uh, you know, we're just going to stay focused and execute and let things, uh, let things play out as they, as they may. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lee, for coming on. Um, where can we keep up with you and at Metrics Online? Sure. Uh, you know, I've uh, got a blog post I do every week on appmetrics.com uh, uh, slash blog. It's right, it's right there on the, on the main menu. And, you know, it's really where I sort of try to, you know, talk about what we're doing and, and what we're seeing in the industry and things that, that people send, tend to find that, uh, you know, is important to sort of think about when they're trying to, you know, gather data and listen to their customers. So, uh, I'm on there quite a bit, and they, if they need to reach me, they can certainly email me at, you know, Lee, L-E-E, at, at appmetrics.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, My Lee. pleasure. Absolutely. Great. Thanks, and have a great rest of your week. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. With the lights low, when the lights low. Hey, with the lights low, when the lights low. Hey, with the lights low, when the lights low. Hey, with the lights low, when the lights low. Hey, with the lights low, when the lights low. Hey, with the lights low. Do you and all, yeah. Skin is a cinnamon taste, and you glaze me as you gaze in at my pupil in amazement. Yes, the rhythm my finger is painting a picture. Yes, get ignorant, fucking me crazy. That's it now. I look down, I lick down, I strip down, I dig down, and no sequence, huh? Dig it down, she want Jesus. Wait, I dig it down, and no sequence. Down, I lick down, I strip down, I dig down, dig it down to no sequence. Dig it down, she want Jesus. I look down, I lick down, I strip down, I dig down, dig it down to no sequence. Dig it down, she won't sing. Hallelujah. Yeah.